Hello there, my name is Danny, I'm your host and I will interview different people to demystify different topics like roadmaps, stakeholder management, leadership and a lot more. I hope you will have a good time and at best can take away some learnings. All the best and enjoy the show. Irene, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to the topics we will cover here. How are you doing today? I am, I'm doing great. I, um, I actually just got into an accident right before this, this podcast, but I'm totally okay. So I'm really glad I was able to, you know, come and, and, and be able to have this conversation with you. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm glad you came through it. Um, well, of course, as I said, you had some bruises, but uh, I'm happy there's nothing else, no major issues yeah. and so on. So yeah, get healthy as fast as possible with all the bruises you have. All right. So it's good that we are nevertheless both in the in the condition to talk about this uh, topic. <laughs> so, you know, in product management, there's a, a lot of different opinions what product manager should do, what they should not do, which capability they should have and which not. Lately, for example, there's quite a discussion whether PM should be way more involved into business and revenue part of a product and so yeah. on, where I believe definitely 100% they shouldn't be uh, detached from that. One other topic which always comes up and is actually like a hot topic is how technical should a product yeah. manager be? Um, we will cover this today and hopefully <laughs> settle it for good for everyone. Yes. And we'll also talk about skip level. And here now we'll quote your LinkedIn profile. Skip Level is a company that helps non-engineering professionals and teams learn the fundamentals in software and become more technical without learning how to code. Yep. This is very dense and very concise, and uh, <laughs> I hope everyone gets an understanding what you guys are doing. We will talk about Skip Level. Uh, I truly believe this is a major and a cool thing you are doing over there, and we'll talk um, likely a lot about a lot more topics. Before we jump into these um, heavily content-driven topics, Please give us a chance to get to know you better. So, Irene, who are you? <laughs> hey, Danny, I'm Irene. Uh, I am the CEO and founder of Skip Level. I'm also a software engineer. I've been a software engineer for about 10 years now. Um, and I started Skip Level in 2020. I actually left my job, my full-time job uh, as a software engineer to start the company. And I started the company because I had this passion for this mission, which was to make technical literacy more accessible to everyone in the tech industry and not just engineers. So I primarily work with product managers, but uh, you know, I also have biz dev people, marketing people, people in operations, design uh, that also um, come to skip level and want to feel more confident in their technical skills and their ability to work with engineers. Um, so that's a little bit of my kind of professional background. All right. This sounds very cool and happy that part of the journey you just described uh, is now also something we will discuss here. You are, as far as I can recall, the first fully software engineer here <laughs> on the call, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, so I try to understand you better. You try to understand me better. Definitely. And I hope we are on the eye level with the conversation here. And yep. let's really start with the one hot topic straight away. In your opinion, how technical should a product manager be? That's such a great question, Denny. I think that there's a lot of different ways to approach that question. So one of the topics that I teach my students is when we look at technical literacy, there's two dimensions we can look at it. Technology is really broad. So there's a lot of things that are covered in technology, right? So you can learn a lot about data. You can learn about architecture. You can learn a lot about infrastructure. So that's broadness. And then there's depth. So if you go into, you know, learning about data or learning about infrastructure, you can go really, really deep. The deeper you go, the more you go into implementation, which is where software engineers really have to, you know, be really good at. So for product managers, how technical you need to be, uh, you need to be broad, but how deep you want to go, that really depends. So that depends on a few things, but one of the ways that you can see it is you, it depends on your product, the product that you're working on. So the more technical your product, the more depth you need to know in terms of technical understanding, right? Technical implementation. The other way you can see it is how technical is your customer? Because if your customer themselves are very technical, like they're a software developer. So for example, if your product is a database product or, or, or it's an API product, 
then you're going to have to be a lot more technical, right? You're going to have to go a lot deeper into understanding how your technical customers actually use your product. So it really depends on the industry that you're in, on your product, on your customer. But regardless, I think that every single product manager needs to have a baseline fundamental of software, right? So, and the reason why is because there's always a baseline. It it doesn't matter how technical your product is. If you're working on software, everyone's going to build software in, you know, fundamentally the same ways. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but fundamentally, everyone's going to use data. All your software engineers will be building APIs. All your software engineers will need to have infrastructure. All your software engineers will have a process for how they build software, right? So you, you need to have the fundamentals of of understanding the core things, right? Understanding the fundamentals of data, understanding the fundamentals of infrastructure and how scaling works, um, understanding what are the technical trade-offs in software, uh, understanding what is the process of building software and your role as a product manager in that process. So everyone needs to have a strong technical foundation. How deep you need to go really depends on your customer and on your product. Yeah, first of all, I like that you use a phrase which actually product manager always use. It depends. So this is actually something. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's something everyone says, but it's kind of true. I think everything in life exists on a gray scale, right? And not on a black and white scale. Um, exactly, yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I like, I like how you make the, how you open up the different, um, let's say, dimensions. So the first one right. is... Um, it depends on your product, how technical it is. As you were saying, it is like a product for engineers, like a database. Then, of course, it's different than if I build something for like end customers who may be um, like Uber, for example, or mm-hmm. Zoom, Netflix, or whatsoever, where it's like the uh, end customer focused and it's all about yeah. user experience and uh, the UI. Uh, second of all, not just the product, but also the, the customer, as we were saying. And nevertheless, I um, also like that you made it explicit that no matter what product you are responsible for, you need a baseline understanding, yeah. like the fundamentals of data infrastructure and so on. And I would right. like to really go like one deeper there. You were talking about the baseline and like fundamentals and let's make it a tangible example. If you look at data, so what are like for you the fundamentals you need to understand for data, for example? Yeah, I think that with data, one of the things that you need to understand is yeah, broadly, how do we translate product requirements into data? So what does that kind of look like, right? So if you have a business requirement, let's say we need to collect um, uh, demographic data on my customers, their name, their email, their birthday, their location, right? So that's a product requirement. How does that become data? And what is that 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 information then become data in terms of, you know, implementation. So in order for us to understand that, we would need to understand databases and how do we store data in databases? What is a data attribute? What is a data value? What is a data type? How do we store data, right? So that's like data structures. So, so you know, so as a, so then as a product manager, when you look at an API and that data is coming back to you, you can at least read it. And you can then be able to translate the the, the technical implementation into um, product requirements. And that's really, you know, that's probably something that we can dive a little bit more into. But as at a high level, as a product manager, that's like, that's the core skill. You want to be able to translate product requirements into the technical implementation at, at least the fundamental value, uh, at least the fundamental um, scale. And so, you know, Data is 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 kind of one of those um, areas. Yeah, and you mentioned other others like, for example, infrastructure and also APIs. Mm. APIs are um, part Big. of every product. On yep. APIs, I have a very specific question, and this is one of the yeah. questions we face uh, sometimes here in the internal discussions in the company. So when we see that we want to integrate a certain service, so let's say mm-hmm. a PSP, a payment service provider, yeah, like. Let's bring the topic of Stripe. I know Stripe is like very uh, on a, on a very popular for engineers because it's yes. kind of I would say easy, but you know good documentation and so on. And my question is: Would you say product manager should understand, for example, API documentation to translate it for themselves? 
was it like a pure engineering part? Absolutely. I, I think that's actually really important for product managers to want to understand what APIs are, what the function of them, and then be able to actually dissect, um, be actually able to dissect an API. Um, and, the, and, and, you know, broadly, again, the reason why is you want to, the, the core technical skill for product managers to be able to translate between product requirements um, and technical implementation. But another good reason why is when things go wrong, which happens all the time, right? So if you're a product manager, you're like, oh my God, I, I just got this error from from a from a customer. You don't have to wait for engineers. You can actually start looking at the error that's coming back from an API and be able to kind of see for yourself, oh, is this an error on the part of the customer? Is this an error on the and and therefore if if that is the case, you don't have to go to an engineer, right? You don't have to wait for them. Uh, you you now have a lot more control and a lot more agency over being able to solve this problem yourself, um, or you can understand that it's it's like a it's like a third party thing, or you or it, it could be like a you know it, it could be an internal issue with the dev team. But you being able to dissect these APIs, you have a lot more control, a lot more agency, and you can feel a lot more as part of the team because now you can go to an engineer and say, hey this is the error. This is what the customer is experiencing. I did a little bit of research. This is what I'm getting back. I I think this is where the issue might be happening. Here's as much information for you as possible so that you can fix this issue as quickly as possible, right? So now you're really part of the team versus if you couldn't read documentation, you couldn't dissect an API, you didn't know what data looks like, you didn't understand data types, you didn't understand what a JSON is, then you're just kind of sitting there as, you know, waiting around, and you're not really part of the software development process anymore, and that makes you kind of separate from the team, and you're not you don't have full full agency over your product. Yeah, and you become more or less a proxy, right? You're yeah, just you the man or the woman in the middle. Yeah, exactly. This, but as uh, a product manager, you're such a vital part of of software building, like every part of the software development process. And so, the more you know, the more about you know, APIs that you know, the more about data you know, the more agency you have of your product and the more influence and the more respect you have um, from all of your stakeholders. Yeah. And one of the reasons I would almost say why product owner, product manager exists is to help the engineers to yeah. focus on, for example, developing. And if I go to them and like every day, can you please read this documentation? You get them off um, the... Uh, of the coding actually and you wonder why velocity yes. is going down oh my gosh yeah i love that you're saying that danny yes you're right you know early on in the software development life cycle when we're in the planning phase which is where product managers have the most ownership right because they're thinking about the vision they're thinking about what are the product requirements what this product looks like what the customer is what is the pain point you have a lot more agency but as we move further into the software development process and engineers start taking over, right? Implementation, testing, releasing, your role kind of switches to then support. And what that means is you want to enable engineers to, to, to build, uh, as quickly as possible. So, you know, that's where that like velocity comes in. And, you know, the way you do that is you want to make things clearer or make things easier. So, you know, if you're able to read an API, you're able to dissect an API, you're able to look at documentation, you're able to do some of that heavy lifting for engineers and you're making their job easier so then they can focus on building the product because you want them to build the product and you want them to build it quickly, right? As a product manager. Exactly. And if you have happy engineers, you have a good product usually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how it works. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, so I asked you the question, how technical should a product manager be? And you had a very straight answer. First of all, okay, it depends, <laughs> but nevertheless, a, like a base foundation yeah. should be there. Uh, however, this, this question always arises. So I'm wondering, what do you think? Why is the topic of how technical a PM should be such a hot take? And there's different different opinions about that. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think at a very broad level, I think the industry as a whole is still trying to figure out the product management role. I think that's, you know, partially it's like a lot of debate. Like how much is the product manager responsible for? Because some people say they're like the mini CEO, right? And if you're the CEO, that means you're kind of responsible for basically everything. But that's, you know, that's a lot on a product manager. 
And the other thing is, you know, if a product manager is responsible for so much and yet they don't have direct control over a lot, there's a lot of dependency on stakeholders. And so, you know, that kind of creates this friction for, you know, for product managers. Um, and I think, you know, technical education and software and like understanding software, it's very technical stuff. It's, it's a very hard skill and, it, and it's, it, it's kind of very different from product management, which is, you know, more on the business side, probably requires a little bit more soft skills, more like writing skills, you know? And so <laughs> I, I think it's kind of a hard sell to tell a product manager, well, now I need you to be, you know, like a, a dev. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess a lot of it just stems from, well, what is the product management role and what is their responsibility? Um, and what really are stakeholders looking for from a product manager? And that could differ from company to company. Um, but overall, I, I, I think that's like a conversation that us as an industry are still having. I totally agree. And uh, <laughs> I like the perspective you, you have here. Um, just ask 10 product manager what they are doing and you will get very different answers. Some oh are God, totally like really responsible maybe for the fully just for the backlog. Some are also responsible for GTM. Some yeah. are responsible to like translate things like technical things, as you were saying before. Some mm -hmm. do all of it. I'm not sure whether you can do all of it good, but uh, still a debate. So I'm totally agree with that, that the PM role is still evolving. And I don't Very see that much. there's like the final, yeah. like, uh, you know, like an engineer can describe what they are doing, I would say. And Very clearly. I, I, yeah. Very clearly. On a PM, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little bit tougher. Right. And there's also, you know, PMs that do like zero to one. And then one to 100, which is two very different skills when you're launching a product versus growing the product. Um, I think those are two very different skills. And, you know, and even there, it's like if you're growing a product, you know, you're not really you're more in like the like maintenance phase of software, which is then also a little bit different working with engineers. Right. Absolutely. I mean, for, for growing, I mean, there, there are more and more um, so-called uh, growth product manager. So already you mm -hmm. can see that product yeah. management has a diversification in terms of how yes. the role is described. We have growth product manager. All right. Mm -hmm. um, like one thing, I one major part for product managers is, of course, communication, having yep. very different stakeholders, engineers, of course, as we said, designers, then, of course, CEOs and sales, whatever, name every, every role basically in the company. And they always have to tailor their communication, of course, right? Um, mm -hmm. For example, a CEO wants different information than an engineer. engineer yeah. More technical, likely a CEO, maybe more business uh, sales. Uh, when does the next feature come? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the challenge, what I always see is with engineers from both sides is to find like, say, like the same language. And so when we mm -hmm. talk to engineers, they understand yeah. us and we other way around when engineers talk to product manager that they have the, the, the same language and understand each other. Yep. And, um, as I understood from, from your background, uh, you, as you said, you're are a software engineer and have this, this background for a long time and you were working together with product manager and you saw the challenge from the software engineering side. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, getting to, to skip level now. Can we? Can you please give us some insights? How did you did you come up with the idea to found Skip Level? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, as I said, I've I've been a software engineer for a really long time, and I've worked in a lot of different industries with a lot of different companies, um, and so with a lot of different product managers. And most of the product managers I worked with. If you said something like, um, let's say, yeah, I'm going to merge the branch right now. They're not going to be, you know, a lot of them wouldn't understand that. They're like, uh, okay. Or they're like, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> um, or sometimes, you know, product managers don't know how to ask the right questions. By right questions, I mean well-informed questions. So because they don't understand at like at, at a core level how software works. So if I, as a software engineer, I would often say like, "Hey, I can't I can't build this in two months," and here's here's why, or you know, "Hey, I'm running into this error," and you know, as a product manager, it's totally valid that they're like, "Why?" <laughs> right. 
But if I then start explaining why, I have to talk about the technical implementations of it. So if I try to say, let's say I'm getting a compiling error, right? And product managers don't know how to, you know, understand what compiling errors are or really what compiling is and, you know, or even know how to ask, like, you know, where's the compiling error happening? You know, something like that. It becomes then very hard to to understand. And then there's friction and there's frustration, right? So the product managers would often get frustrated and said, just build it, just build it this way and build it at the time that I want. <laughs> but that kind of stops that conversation, that empathy is not, you know, really there. And that, and this was an experience that I had a lot. Uh, and, at, uh, and, and most recently when I was a software engineer, I actually started mentoring a product manager that I was working with. And that started happening because we were in an engineering meeting with a product manager. And, you know, oftentimes when I've had discussions with this product manager, it's very clear, you know, the questions that she asked, it's very clear that she's lacking this fundamental understanding of software because she's asking questions that is, you know, neither here nor there. So um, after a specific engineering uh, meeting, she came out and she came to me and she said, hey, Irene, I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble keeping up or understanding what is happening during these meetings. I don't, I don't really know, you know, I'm not understanding a lot of the words you guys are saying. I don't know how to respond, right? So she's essentially saying like, as a product manager, I have these goals and yet I don't, and I'm dependent on you guys for these goals. And yet I don't know how to work with you in order to achieve these goals, right? Um, and so she asked to have a meeting with me um, so we can go over the the product and what was discussed during the engineering meeting. And so this was kind of like the first ad hoc. It wasn't, it wasn't planned, but it ended up being our first tech mentorship meeting. And through that meeting, it was such an eye opener because, you know, in the past I've been so frustrated with product managers, like, why can't you understand this? But as I'm speaking to her and there were a lot of misunderstandings, for example, when I use, when I said something about Git and then she said something that I was like, Wait a second, that, that didn't make sense. And when we hashed it out, I realized that, you know, she thought Git and GitHub were the same thing. And they're totally different things. I mean, GitHub's a, a private company and Git is an open source version control system. So I, I then had this realization of, oh, you know what? Why would she know this? She was never trained on any of this. You know, when you're a product manager, you're not really taught about software and technology. You're taught to be you know, business and focus on goals and communication and writing. And so I had this moment where I was like, oh, you know, of, of course you wouldn't know any of this stuff. I have the opportunity every day as a software engineer to to gain more technical skills, to gain more technical knowledge. But she she doesn't have that. And and so during that, you know, tech mentorship meet, uh, that first tech mentorship meeting, it, it really hit me. And it also made me, you know, realize that she wanted to learn, she wanted to know, and she wanted to be able to communicate and she wanted to be part of that software development process. She just didn't know where to turn to, to start knowing how to be, you know, do all of that, to be confident in her technical skills and to not feel this imposter syndrome when she's talking to engineers, because she doesn't want to ask, you know, quote unquote, stupid questions, which, you know, totally fair. And so it was after that. And then, you know, when we had that first ad hoc meeting, it actually became a regular thing. So we started meeting every two weeks and that was like baked into the calendar. <clears throat> but also when she was doing like ideation. So this I, I loved because she would be thinking on, on a new idea. She's doing market research. She's thinking about customer pain points. And as she's working on the business requirements stock, I would actually sit with her and we would talk through the feasibility of her ideas. And through that, we're, you know, learning about the product, but we're learning about technology as a whole. And I'm teaching her the engineering mindset, which is so important, right? It's like understanding trade-offs because that's that's how engineers think. When they get a business requirement, they're thinking of all of the trade-offs, right? If I build it this way, how fast would it be? How maintainable would it be? What is the the most efficient option um, that would meet the minimum, minimum, you know, product requirements, minimum livable product as they, as they say. Um, 
And so then, yeah, after that, it came to me that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, so many product managers feel the same way that she does. Uh, and so then that was my inspiration. Um, on the weekends, I started working on, on creating this course based on my own knowledge as an engineer, but based on my men, my, my tech mentorship with her, knowing the things that, you know, she needed to know and the things that she didn't know. Um, and then as my, as a software engineer working with product managers, what I wish product managers knew. Um, and yeah, and then it just kind of took off from there. I, I had a lot of interest and a lot of product managers were like, yeah, this is an area that I really need to get better in. Uh, and, and it just kind of took off from there. So that was my, my story, my, my, uh, my uh, goal. Yeah, what I really like, um, it seems like you have actually a product management mindset. Um, <laughs> you, you saw a problem, right? For example, yeah. that PMs don't have the knowledge, um, or don't, and don't understand, um, engineers. And yeah. therefore there are follow up problems. Uh, you saw the problem. You had, um, an idea how to solve this. You yeah. tested it, for example, with the tech course, like one on ones with the, yes. with the PM and you iterated. And now we have a company. So kind yes. of, uh, in a nutshell, the product management a journey from from yourself. Yeah, what mm -hmm. I really like is, so first of all, kudos that you actually took the courage to do this. And to really, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I would go around here in my company and ask engineers, how happy are they with the technology or technical um, knowledge of the PMs, there will be different answers. Some will maybe say mm -hmm. it's cool. Some, uh, I'm not sure did it, but I don't see someone or don't see many who maybe would go the way like you did and, uh, for example, set up a course or maybe one on one yeah. to help people to better understand this. So mm -hmm. kudos for that. You did this. It's, I think the, the person <laughs> to be proactive and do that. Um, thank second you. Second of all, I like the idea of having like regular, regular, like technical meetings. So maybe yeah. this could be something that, um, if you, talk to the tech teams that they maybe have, I don't know, like once a month, two, three hours, not sure, every two weeks, mm -hmm. uh, have like certain topics in, in, in the product on an architecture, for example, APIs and have something like a, like a brown bag session or like a, um, a technical talk and people who like can actually join. Yeah. And based, based on that, uh, I have a question. Would you say companies should invest more into the idea that PMs can get more technical. So for example, training budget oh and stuff like that. 100,000%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's a benefit for everyone. It's a benefit for the product manager. You know, a lot of them kind of, when they're working with engineers, they're kind of suffering silently, right? They're like afraid to ask questions and, or they just don't know where to go. Um, it's a benefit for the software engineer. Where, you know, a lot of times when I was a software engineer, I'm just like, you're not making my job easier. You're telling me to build faster, but you're not making it easier for me to build faster, right? So it's better for software engineer. But then it's better for for the customers as well. You have much better, you know, products, higher quality products are shipped quickly. And it's better for the org. The amount mm -hmm. of, you know, time waste, money waste, resource waste when engineers and product managers are not communicating efficiently or effectively, it shows up at in it shows up in employee happiness. It shows up in the bottom line. So, a hundred percent, I I think organizations should absolutely be spending more money to get formal technical training for their engineers um, and to set up what I like to call and and that I actually teach my students in the program. Um, and also teams that I work with, managers that I work with, uh, to set up formal tech mentorship programs, um, so that that mm -hmm. really helps the communication and the trust and the influence between engineers um, and product managers, for sure. I like how explicit you are here <laughs> on this point, one hundred thousand percent. So yeah. no, no, it depends, and it makes sense as you were saying. I mean, in the end, it's. Um, as a benefit for all, right? As you were saying, not yeah. just PMs, engineers, but also eventually the company and then, mm -hmm. of course, revenue, business goals. So it's like a cycle um, you can yes. go there. All right. So we, we talked about like your journey and how it did uh, come up with Skip Level. Can you talk a bit more about the purpose of Skip Level itself? Maybe the mission, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to talk about my 
my, my passion for the last you know three years. So the the large vision and the mission of Skip Level is to make technical literacy more accessible to everyone in the tech industry uh, and not just devs, you know, product managers, designers, marketers, uh, DevOps, uh, because I, I think it's really, really important. I think it's a, a topic that, you know, that us as an industry, we don't talk about um, to the extent that it should be talked about, um, you know, and as a software engineer myself, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, I've, I've been in the trenches and I see, uh, what it costs uh, to have, you know, communication that's not effective, communication that's not efficient. Um, and I can see, and I've also worked with product managers, by the way, who <clears throat> do have a strong technical, um, you know, foundation, but also their ability to work with engineers is really, really spectacular. And so skip level is aiming to kind of bridge that gap, to bridge the gap between product and between, you know, devs. And by bridging, I mean bridging the uh, the ability to do to look at product requirements and translate that into technical implementation, um, and vice versa. So the way that we do it is, you know, through teaching fundamentals in um, in software, uh, things like API, things like understanding servers, and you know the 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 physical aspects of the internet, and you know giving. Um, giving product managers a sense of, you know, when engineers look at product requirements, what goes through their head? How do they think about it? How do they think about building it? And what are the risks and what are the limitations and what are the availabilities in software to build different products? Uh, So teaching the fundamentals, giving them practice into doing those things. So, uh, and by practice, I don't mean coding. I think that's the least efficient way, the least effective way for product managers to become more technical. But doing things like mocking an API, Right. They take product requirements, real product requirements, a real product, and then they actually create an API using the product requirements, thinking through the data that's required, uh, thinking through what the API would look like, mocking that out using a popular tool uh, that's used by devs, uh, and then kind of getting hands on themselves, right? Or, or um, doing things like uh, setting up like a database. And actually taking, again, taking a real product, thinking through the, through all of the requirements and then creating that database, creating the schema, thinking through what technical trade-offs are necessary when engineers are thinking about how do I set up a database? How do I add database into a data for maintainability, for latencies, right? So speed, for, uh, for flexibility, for scalability, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, so that's kind of skip level in, in a shell. Yeah, I love the vision. And again, I mean, we are talking about this now for like 20, 30 minutes, uh, <laughs> how important it is to be technical. And I'm really happy you, you, you founded the company. And I, again, I want to talk more about this. So yeah. let's say I'm a product manager. I come on your web, web page, uh, skip level, and I want to be part of a cohort. Just guide us through how does the course look like? You just talked about mm-hmm. certain things like you have to, for example, build an API or mock an API. Yeah. Just guide us through the whole course and what the outcome is in the end. Sure. So the course right now is uh, self-paced. Um, there will be live sessions coming up, um, but right now it is self-paced, meaning it's actually on demand. So you can, you know, take the course um, according to whatever your 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 time your uh, schedule um, works for you. And uh, so the way that the course works is it's it's broken down into five major areas: so infrastructure and applications. That's that's the first area. That's like the core fundamentals that you really need to understand for every product manager. We, we go into latency. Uh, we go into uh, speed, understanding what makes apps performant and what are the strategies for that. Uh, and then we go into data. So we talk about, you know, not just, you know, what is data, but we also go into databases. We understand SQL uh, no SQL. We understand how data is put into SQL. Uh, we look at a real case study of a product, and then we we think through what is database schema design, um, and then we go into architecture. I I love this section because most of the time when you are actually working with engineers when they're building a new product, especially a a a new product like from the ground up, most of the discussions you're going to have with engineers, uh, they're going to be talking about architecture. 
how do we architect this this system, right? So this this chapter we we talk about microservices, we talk about monoliths, but what I love is we talk about trade-offs. We really go into the engineering mindset, which is really all about technical trade-offs. We talk about different components availabilities that we use in architecture in, in, in order to solve different problems. So for example, using job schedulers, using um, using uh, queues, using load balancers, using proxies, what are those and you know um, what are the problems that they solve when we build, build software? And then last but also extremely, extremely important that we really don't touch on is a software uh, is a software development process. Right, because building software is very messy. It's very hard. We need a process for it. Every company kind of has a like a, a like um they have a variation of what that process looks like for them. But in general, it's it's broken into six to seven phases: planning phase, the design phase, um, the build phase, the test phase, the documentation phase, and then there's the like um, there's a phase where we you know just maintain the software. So. Um, each of these uh, modules, I call them, we we watch videos, which gives you kind of, you know, the, the, the general understanding of all of these, uh, these topics. And then there are readings that I write. And the readings kind of expand a little bit more on the topics we learn during the lessons. But one of the other things that are so important when we learn about technology and really anything in life is repetition. That's that's how our, our brain really like gets it right because we we keep having to expose. So, I I might actually you know talk again about APIs, uh, reiterate some of the things that I teach, and then we do the exercises, which actually most students in the course love. This is the part that they love the most about the course is we will take the stuff that we learn and we make it practical. So. You'll, you'll actually get to use real tools that engineers use. You'll get to actually apply the concepts that you learn in class using these tools. So one, you're building empathy uh, with engineers because you actually see, oh my gosh, this is kind of hard. <laughs> you know, like not only do I have to know how to use this tool, but I need to know how to think about it, right? All of it is just critical thinking, problem solving. And then so, so that's kind of how the course is, you know, broken down. There's also a community where students come and they ask questions. And I and I love this part. I love it when students ask questions inside of the community. Um, they they put their exercises up. I give them real feedback on their exercises. Um, I kind of teach them how to think about it. And then they ask questions. And, and, and some of the questions that they ask, which I love, is they'll say, hey, you, you taught us about SQL and you said this one sentence. But at work, I use this other product and it seems to be a little bit different. Can you talk more about that? I I love that because you're now taking, you know, abstract technical concepts and you're applying it to your real work. And that's like really fantastic. So that's kind of the journey um, of a skip level student and what you can expect inside of the skip level program. Right. So thanks for guiding us through. Uh, I really like there's a practical part. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm also a huge fan. I mean, when I do... Uh, like trainings and of course the, the the theory is important for me more important is to actually practice it and um, reapplying it and trying it whether yeah. for example like a framework or, or a certain approach makes actually sense for me so we like it's also practical um so how long would it like take to to do the whole course yeah you know what it really <laughs> it it depends again <laughs> you know that phrase it depends i knew you would say that yeah i knew you would say that well you know like the, the video lessons and 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 the readings themselves it, it really wouldn't take that long maybe like about two hours a week where the pens is the exercises and there's a big variation you know I've had some students that were like I just I really can't get this I, I really don't understand this and you know I've had students that were like I mean you said this would take me half an hour I spent three hours on it <laughs> and then and then I have students that are like uh this was really easy for me you know, and they're, they're finishing it in like 20 minutes. So it depends. But what I say is it take anywhere from uh, three to five hours per week, depending on the module. Some modules are longer. Like the first module is the longest in, you know, inside of the whole course. So that will take you a bit longer. Uh, some of the module, like the second module wouldn't take you as long. The exercise is a little, is a little bit, you know, easier. It doesn't require as much critical thinking. Um, 
and that would be like you know two hours um or two and a half hours so yeah it's it's anywhere from three to five hours a week if you uh work on one module per week okay and if you think about your target target audience so the non-engineers would they need some kind of like based knowledge or can they come in with no technical knowledge at all Yeah, they can come in with no technical knowledge at all. So when I created this course, I created it with with the product managers that I've worked with who don't have any technical background, who don't have any, you know, sort of engineering background. So they're coming in. So when we when we saw the whole program, the first thing I teach is what is the internet? Let's go way back <laughs> to the fundamentals. Like what is the internet? What is the internet even made up of? And then all of the jargons that I um, that I teach, I explain them in ways uh, that anyone can understand. I use a lot of analogies um, throughout the program. I use you know case studies of a real product. We take the business requirement, we take the features, and then we you know move them into the technical uh, into the phase of of how how devs would actually think about that, right? So into like the implementation. So yeah, so so anyone, it, it doesn't matter where you are in your career, if you know nothing or you have, um, you know, I've also had product managers who have been product managers for a really long time. And, you know, they would say that they're not highly technical, but they do understand some things. Like if someone sent an API to them, they wouldn't be like, oh my God, what is that? Um, and even for them, they, you know, learn something as well. So yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you're coming in and you have no technical background, you're, you're afraid to ask questions, you don't know where to start. Um, the program is definitely very good for, um, for anyone that's starting out. Okay, that's cool. So everyone can do it basically. Yeah, everyone All right, can do so it. So looking at the course, how do you define success? So, so what do you think, when are you successful with the course? Yeah, you know, this one is hard to define. Two things. Um, one of them uh, is a technical quiz. So I have a technical quiz um, that I really suggest students take before they take the program and then after they take the program. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times before they mm -hmm. take the program, they'll be like, oh my God, I can't even finish the sentence because I got stuck on the first word. You know, they're like, I really don't know. After the program, they might look at, a, you know, look at the word microservice and they might be, oh, okay, yeah, I have a general understanding. So so it's it's not necessarily about, you know, if you score 100% on the quiz, but it's like you having that feeling yourself where, where it's like, oh, I'm not totally lost in the dark. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they saw the word microservice uh, before taking the program, they might be like, I have no clue where to even begin with this. And afterwards, they might be like, you know, like, I need to understand this more deeply, but I have a general understanding. And now when I Google it, when I Google the word microservice, I can kind of understand what's being, you know, said. So that's one way. The second way that I love and students, when students share this with me, it's so fantastic. They'll actually give me examples of after they take the program, when they are uh, having a discussion with a developer, they're actually able to keep up and they're actually able to ask well-informed questions. I even had one student that said uh, they would have monthly demos with the tech team and the tech team would kind of talk about what they built. And she said, you know, at every one of these demos, she would zone out because she would just say, I don't, I have no idea what's happening. I, I can't, I can't keep up. And then after she took the program, she said, I was actually able to understand what they built. I didn't zone out. You know, I was able to understand when they were talking about this API, why it was so cool. And I was able to get into it. So I would say that's that's truly like the measure of success. Basically, the ability to um, them having confidence whenever they, they uh, encounter technical situations, technical uh, language, technical concepts, that they're not like, I give up. I, I can't, I just, I don't know how to proceed from yeah. here. They actually have a, have, have some road that they can go down towards to uh, being able to kind of understand and have more confidence in that area. So that's how I would kind of measure that. Uh, that's how I would measure that success. And that's kind of something that you have to be, be kind of like aware of yourself. Okay. Yeah. When I wrote down the question, I was also wondering how do you measure success for this? And I like the idea of this of the quiz. I've seen it on on the web page, it's like mm -hmm. a, on a front page directly. Yeah. To have like a before and after, and you can see I don't yeah. know whether you have a score or something. But this is a really cool idea because there you can see um, how much you learned in the time. Maybe you mm -hmm. I don't know 
score one to ten and you're on a six and you're on an eight now this is already mm -hmm. something where you um and you also can see what is maybe missing when you did the, yeah. the second quiz and you can see the delta what is still missing to get maybe 200 percent that's a cool idea Yeah. And of course, uh, sharing your success stories that uh, you don't uh, zoom out uh, or zoom, zone out. <laughs> zone out. Um, yeah. Zone out. Uh, and I can resonate to that. Uh, the very beginning of my, let's say, product career, when we were in review and the engineers were talking like very technical, it was like a different language for me. It felt like I'm in a yeah. different country and uh, totally. what are they talking about? <laughs> and you didn't know how to proceed, right? You were like, I don't know. No. I don't know what's I mean, the next question to ask. Yeah. Exactly. So it was full trust that they know what they do. Yeah. Um, but they could have talked whatever bullshit. And um, <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but now, right. you know, now that you've been longer in your career, you've probably worked with engineers more now. You probably don't have that same feeling. You probably have like some idea of how to proceed from there and what questions to ask. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we are. Um, we as a company, we rely a lot on, for example, integrations. So mm. as I was saying before, the example with the PSP, we're not a bank. So of course, we use different uh, payment service providers. Yep. Uh, we use uh, different resources for data and everything is about uh, integrations, public transport data. So mm -hmm. there, there must be like a certain level of understanding. If we would go with this company, what would this mean for us? Yes. So this is one of the things um, we, we as the PMs have to, have to know. Yeah. All right, so first of all, Thanks for, for guiding us through skip level. I really, really like the idea. I really like um, that you took the path and help non-engineers to have now a possibility to upskill in this term mm -hmm. and speak or understand the language from engineers to say it like that. Yeah. If you think about um, if some would not go the skip level route, how yeah. else can PMs, PMs become more technical? Yeah, I think... Um really diving into it. So a lot of product managers I work with, because they are not technical, they might feel imposter syndrome, they're afraid to ask questions, they don't want to look stupid. Um, and so then conversation kind of stops, growth kind of stops, that, you know, that fear stops that, is to go right into it, is to go dive right into these conversations and ask those questions. And again, the best way to do that really is through tech mentorship sessions, because, you know, if you're at a, <clears throat> if you're at a company meeting, that's, let's say an hour, right? You, you probably don't want to ask as many, you know, what is questions like, oh, what is an API? Someone just said, what is an API? You probably don't want to ask as many of those questions because that derails, you know, that whole meeting. And sometimes it's very, you know, it's very hard to explain technical concepts, you know, it takes a lot of time. So with tech mentorship meetings, it's great because you have this dedicated time with an engineer, consistent time, and you're having a one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation with, with someone. And you probably want to pick an engineer that you trust, you know, a, a dev that you trust, that you, that, that you actually communicate well with, that you can feel safe and free to ask all of the quote unquote stupid questions that you want to ask. Right. So you're, you're learning about not just, and, 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 you know, you're also learning about your product, the specific product that you work on. You're learning about technology as a whole, but now you're also gaining a confidant, someone who understands, you know, where you are in your technical abilities, uh, in, you know, what areas you can, you know, grow in. Um, and that can also kind of, you know, help you out during like engineering meetings, you know, or something like that. So uh, if it's not skip level, it's, it's still possible to be technical, but through conversations, going through that fear, setting up tech, men uh, um, actually having tech mentorship meetings with at least one developer, I would say get as, as many as possible, especially when you're first on your journey, because every engineer has a, has a different skill set, has a, has a different set of knowledge. Um, you know, there are engineers who are better at the front end, engineers who are better at the back end, engineers who um, are more, you know, infrastructure, so more like large picture of, of systems, um, engineers who have been at the company for much longer, so they understand the systems better. Um, so yeah, so, so just, you know, finding those developers that you can trust, that you can communicate with, setting up one-on-one -on -one time consistently, um, I suggest once every two weeks, but also on, on an ad hoc bis uh, um, basis, so when you need it. So for example, during the 
uh, ideation process or before and after engineering meetings. Um, and that way you can also, you know, gain a lot of uh, that technical understanding, technical knowledge. Um, and and um, one one really good tip that I, I that I give uh, students to in these tech mentorship meetings, don't just show up empty handed to a tech mentorship meeting because you're going to sit there being like, what are we going to talk about? Right. So what you want to do is you want to bring some sort of facilitation of discussion. So what could that be? That could be something like um, you went through the developer docs and you found an architecture diagram. And you did a little bit of work to look at the architecture diagram to kind of understand how the system is built. You can bring that with you to uh, to your tech mentorship meeting, and then together you guys can dissect this diagram together. Or you know you could also you know as you said, there's a third party API documentation from Stripe. You could also bring that. You can go through Stripe's documentation, find an API that you guys actually integrate with, and then use this as a catalyst for conversation. You know, maybe the discussion could take you to, uh, you know, what exactly is, is, is this a JSON? How does a JSON work? And maybe then you're, you're learning about JSON um, or you're learning about headers and like authentication, right? Um, and then asking open-ended questions, which is really, really important. Actually, that's the fastest way to learning about technical trade-offs, the engineering mindset. So for example, if you have an engineering diagram um, and open-ended question you might ask is, if you had the opportunity to rebuild this feature, how would you rebuild it and why? Right. So now, now an engineer would be like, I'd rebuild it this way and I'll tell you why. Probably because it would be faster. Oh, why would it be faster? It'd be faster because, you know, I don't know, uh, microservices are faster and they're more fault tolerant. Oh, let's talk about that. What is fault tolerance? Why is that important? How does that impact the customer? How does that impact the product? Right. So those are open-ended questions um, that are really good to like being able to critically think and getting on that same level with the engineering mindset. So those are kind of my tips. Um, and you know, even if you take the skippable program, I still think you should do tech mentorship meetings because that way you can learn about your specific program. If you don't do uh, skip level, um, which I don't suggest, I you know I think everyone should take the program. Um, but um, if you don't do that, uh, you can still learn a lot uh, through tech mentorship meetings and really, you know, powering through your fears and asking all the questions that you that you want to ask. I really like the idea about tech mentorship. I mean, we always talk about the product management mentorship and how I can support, for example, my product managers or others. But I never came up with the idea about tech yeah. mentorship. It's uh, totally logical. And it's so you logical. Know, right. Yeah. Not doing it. It's yeah, most, most most mentorship is, um, I guess, what you call, like like single function, but we talk hmm. a lot less about cross functional mentorship. So that's like mentorship with your stakeholders. And if you're a product yep. manager, the the stakeholder that you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna talk to the most, that you're gonna have the most friction with, guaranteed is gonna be engineers. You know that and yep. that and you know higher level management who really don't understand technology at all <laughs> and are hard to mm -hmm. communicate with, but have a lot of expectations and deadlines. Um, you know, that's, that's also can be like a, like a difficult thing, but uh, definitely with engineers, it's, it's, it's one of the most important um, cross-functional, you know, team that you're going to be working with. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's really important to, bake into the system opportunities to communicate with them and to understand their perspective um, and understand yep. how you can help each other for sure. I will definitely take this topic back to my company and um, yeah, let's do it. pitch it no. kind of. Yeah. All right. Yeah. While we were talking about a skip level being for non-engineers to bridge a certain gap, um, I had this business idea to also build a skip level for engineers so they understand the product range <laughs> or the business better. Oh my gosh. So maybe there's like a, a sub friend or a franchise um, coming out, out of that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think it is, I, I think it is actually important and I have a personal story about it, but I also think that most engineers would not pay for it. <laughs> if I understand yeah, engineers really well, yeah, if I understand engineers really well, they, they probably wouldn't you know, pay for that because it's not a pain point that they feel enough. 
Um, but I, I but but I do want to touch on what you said because I think it is so important for me personally. When I used to get you know so impatient with product managers and I felt like they were asking a lot of me, one of the most like transformative things that helped me in being able to collaborate with product managers was, you know, I was having this like. I wouldn't say conflict, but this disagreement, right? This discussion with a product manager, which is totally okay. And we're going back and forth on, you know, timelines and, you know, whatever. But what we were, neither of us, I, I think, were actually clear on where we were coming from. And what, what really sparked it for me was she showed me her roadmap. And before that, I had never, I had never seen a product roadmap. I didn't, I didn't know these things existed. So she actually showed me her product roadmap, which happened to be, I think it was like an, like an Excel sheet or she was using an Excel sheet and it was <laughs> so, so big. It was so long. And there were so many portions of it that was like, oh, this stakeholder needed this. Let's say like marketing set a deadline. They like already put this promotion out for, you know, X, Y, Z for this feature to happen or this like this customer needed this thing at this time because they were launching this thing, right? So there's like actually hard, hard deadlines, right? So now I'm like, oh, I see where your dilemma is from your perspective. Okay, now I'm I'm kind of like buying in. Now I'm like, okay, now I, I kind of work with you, want to work with you a little bit better so we can somehow meet both of our needs where I can build the, hmm. the, the thing that you need to build and maybe you and I can have a conversation about what exactly, what is the minimum thing that you need built and, you know, what are the options, implementation wise to like actually get there uh so yeah i mean i i loved learning from product managers about what their roles were and what were the 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 concerns that they had what they were kind of like fighting with like like contending with um and i love learning about you know even like user research that was like really cool (laughs) you know different ways that you have customer interviews and and whatnot um so I think you're totally, totally right. I think engineers need to also build empathy with product managers. And again, I think tech mentorship is another really great way to do that. You know, it's, it's definitely like a, it's definitely like a bi-directional thing. Yeah. And um, if you look in the, I wouldn't say it's a trend, but some companies seem to think about getting rid of product manager or put them somewhere oh. else. Then engineers will have a different role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that this will be the future, but nevertheless, in some companies, I, I think there's a good argument that there are maybe no more product manager at oh. uh, Twitter slash X, however you want to call it. So there will be, there must be someone for the, from the engineering side who kind of translates the business topics, right? So yeah. maybe um, if I build a course, maybe the Twitter engineers will pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I, you know, I, I personally think that product managers are so important, and I think it'd be a big mistake to get rid of product managers. You know, um, and that's not just because I'm speaking as like a, as as a founder where my customers are product managers, but speaking as like an an, an engineer and having built software for a long time, I think product managers are so important. And I don't know how I would have been able to do my job. As a, as a software engineer, I, you know, I want to build, I want to code, I want to spend my time doing that. And I want someone who can think about all of the other really important things and, um, you know, guide me towards making sure that I'm actually building a product that matters, that makes a difference, that's actually valuable. That is a great finish for the episode. <laughs> that uh, Now I feel very happy and lucky that we had the chat here. <laughs> yeah. Irene, it has been a, a great time. Thanks so much for sharing all these valuable insights, talking about how technical a PM should be, talking about your company. Again, I think it a, has a great purpose and uh, it's great you, you built this and I can, definitely can see the, the benefit for the people out there. I have one last question. When people want to reach out to you, where can they yeah. find you? Yeah, the, the best way to uh, uh, find me is through social media. So I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. Those are my two primary. Uh, and my handle is the same on both. It's I am, I am, Irene Yu. That's my, my full name. Um, and they can always send me a DM there. Uh, I uh, There's also a widget on my website, skiplevel.co, on, on the right-hand side, where you can actually ask me a question and um, someone on my team will, will actually reach out, but I actually see all of the questions anyway. So if there's like a direct question to me, I will you know jump in and, and, and actually answer that. And besides that, you can also uh, find a lot of my contents uh, via my newsletter. Um, so that's newsletter.skiplevel.co. Um, I, I give every single month, I do a tech term. 
uh, so product managers can learn about a tech term that they, you know, should know. Uh, but then I also write an essay. Sometimes the essays are technical in nature. So for example, a three-part guide on APIs. Um, or I also teach you um, how to work with engineers. You know, like what are some magic words you can say to engineers to get them to trust you and like how to like communicate with them and um, some, you know, trips, uh, uh, not trips, tricks and, and tips of the trade um, and that I've kind of picked up over the years. So, uh, yeah, those those are the best ways to find me. I'm definitely interested in the magical words, but maybe this is a different episode. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> right. yeah, I love the magic words. <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure people can find you. We'll put everything, all the links in the, the show notes. Irene, thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. Thanks so much. Hello again. I hope you liked this episode. If you want others to listen to this amazing story as well, just share this podcast. Furthermore, if you want to share feedback, remarks, want to talk about product management, and or want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter. The name is... Kiwi Denny. Looking forward to connecting with you.